Welcome back to the Urology Care Podcast. We are going to have a discussion today about overactive bladder. My guest is going to introduce herself now. Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Haas of Chesapeake Urology Associates. My office is in Fulton, Maryland. So can you just describe to us what exactly overactive bladder is? Overactive bladder is uh, an overarching term which includes the urinary symptoms of frequency, urgency, of going to the bathroom with potentially actually leakage. So you have to go to the bathroom, you have to get there really quickly, and you might leak on the way or while you're trying to get your pants down. Does this OAB affect both men and women? Or is one gender more susceptible to it? Overactive bladder affects both sexes, but it is more common in women than men. It can affect any age patient, but it affects more than 30% of men over the age of 50 and 40% of women over the age of 50. But true numbers are really hard to come up with because most people don't talk about this. They tend to hide the problem, wearing pads, compensating with diapers or urinating frequently, and it's not something they feel comfortable talking to their doctor about or even their friends about. And what's the difference, if any, between OAB, overactive bladder, and urinary incontinence? The overactive bladder actually includes several other symptoms of urination. Urinary incontinence is also a broad term, and there are several reasons for incontinence. So overactive bladder includes both frequency of urination and urgency, meaning you have to rush to the bathroom, and potentially leakage with urge as well. Urinary incontinence means the leakage of urine, but there are several reasons why people leak. Some people leak when they laugh, cough, sneeze. That's not overactive bladder. That's called stress incontinence. Some people leak because their bladder is so full and they can't empty it all the way, and that's overflow incontinence. Some people leak because the sphincter isn't quite tight enough in the urethra, and that's yet another kind of leakage. And some people leak because their bladder is quote-unquote overactive. So both of these terms are broad terms and encompass several symptoms. And what are some of the key symptoms that would indicate a red flag, this is most likely, or this is potentially OAB. Overactive bladder is most commonly noted by urination over eight times a day and then getting up more than once at night. There's an urgency to the urination, meaning that you don't feel like you have to go, but as soon as you do feel like you have to go, you have to rush to get there. There's no warning time at all. And then there may be some leakage before you actually get to the bathroom. What causes this? Overactive bladder can be caused by several different triggers. Some of the ones that you and I can actually control are constipation, because the stool in the rectum actually pushes on the bladder, and the bladder senses that pressure and thinks, oh, there's pressure here, you must need to urinate, and sends you all these signals to go. So constipation and control of constipation is really important. Eating and drinking certain foods that make the urine more acidic becomes irritating to the bladder, so that increases your frequency and urgency. Some people actually have neurologic diseases such as Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, etc., where the nerves are turned on to the bladder and affected, that, and so the nerves are constantly signaling the bladder, go, go, go. Hormones may actually play a role in women, that 
as estrogen levels go down, the bladder becomes more sensitive to the urine. So there are a whole constellation of potential symptoms or causes, some of which you can control with diet and behavior, and some of which actually require intervention to help. So do you have any tips if it's even at all possible to prevent OAB? One of the biggest things people can do, again, is control their constipation, drink lots of water to help dilute the urine and decrease the acidity, and then watch the foods that are known triggers for bladder frequency. Unfortunately, they're all the good foods. So that means things like coffee, tea, carbonation, acidic fruit juices, alcohol, chocolate, tomatoes and spicy foods and some people are sensitive to artificial sweeteners now not all of those are going to be any one person's triggers but the patient needs to be a detective and figure out exactly which of those potential triggers are their triggers and then avoiding those foods or at least being aware oh yeah i'm having my coffee i know i'm going to have to go more often can you just talk about the importance of staying hydrated with when you have oab because it would just you would just maybe think without the knowledge that you should, you know, not drink as much fluids if you have OAB. But why is it important to stay hydrated with, with water and stuff like that? Um, you know, the healthy fluids when you have OAB. It is ironic because most people compensate for their leakage by not drinking, and they're going on a road trip, so they don't drink anything before the road trip or during the road trip. The problem with that is you still make some urine no matter what as the kidneys filter your blood and they need to get rid of the waste products. What that does if you don't hydrate at all is that then the urine is very concentrated and that concentrated urine is very irritating to the lining of the bladder. So even though you're not drinking, you're still gonna urinate and, it, and people have actually found that when they drink more and the urine's more dilute, that urgency is better. Now that doesn't mean you need to drink 100 ounces and mm -hmm. that'll dilute your urine. Uh, because it will, but you also go a lot. Mm. So there is sort of a happy medium where you drink enough to keep the urine dilute, but not so much that you're triggering large capacity all the time. And staying hydrated would probably be best with water or any other? Water's food? the best. Okay. Because most of the other drinks that Americans drink have a lot of acid in them. I will say that people always tell me, oh, I drink decaffeinated coffee or decaffeinated tea. And it Caffeine is a little bit of a diuretic, mm -hmm. diuretic, and so it definitely will make you go more. But it's actually the acid in the coffee and the tea that are the triggers. So decaf coffee may still make you go urgently. So there are low-acid coffees that you can get at the store, but you have to look for them. They're not the most obvious ones. And certain teas are better than others. The green teas have less acid than the normal tea you get. How is OAB generally treated? Well, if you come to me in my office, the first thing I'm going to do is give you a series of behavioral changes to help you um, try to fix the problem on your own. Meaning, again, constipation control. I keep going back to the same thing, but it's so important and so under-addressed. Constipation control, watching what you're eating and drinking. And then the other thing you can do is actually kegel exercises, trying to tighten the pelvic floor muscles, because what that does is it helps you be able to hold your urine so that you can make it to the bathroom in time. And if you can't perform a Kegel, you're not sure how to, you can't remember, 
Pelvic floor physical therapy is actually a really great way to become more in tune with your pelvic floor, how to tighten the muscles, how to relax the muscles, uh, and that tends to be a really great adjunct to these other efforts. If all of that fails, we certainly have treatment options, and we typically start with a medicine, and then there are other options from there if the medicines fail. Do you have any advice on what you would recommend a patient ask their doctor or healthcare provider if they believe they have OAB? The most important thing a patient can do if they feel like they have overactive bladder is actually address it with their physician because most patients are afraid to, or oh, by the way, they've spent their 15 minutes talking about their blood pressure and their diabetes, and this kind of gets to the end of the conversation, and then you have to bring up this topic, or you don't bring it up because the doctor's rushing out the door. So I really encourage patients to talk to their doctor or the nurse practitioner about this issue, even their gynecologist, uh, whoever they might have the time and exposure to, to, to discuss treatment options. It's important because some patients actually have bladder infections, some people can have kidney stones, some people can have other problems, even more serious mm -hmm. going on in their bladder. So I think it's really important just to talk to the doctor so that either the doctor can help you manage the problem or refer you to the urologist who can help you manage the problem. Sure, and we're going to have to work towards wrapping up. So I just want to ask if you have any final thoughts you'll give us on OAB before we uh, end it here. The most important thing patients can do is actually talk to your doctor. Don't just go online. Go ahead and address this issue. The doctors are comfortable, both male and female doctors are comfortable talking about this and they will help you manage your symptoms. There are solutions. We can fix the problem. Dr. Lisa Hawes has been our guest today on the Urology Care Podcast. And for more information, I always encourage folks to visit urologyhealth.org. This podcast has been brought to you by the Urology Care Foundation, the official foundation of the American Urological Association.